Warning, the following podcast is conducted by trained professionals. Any attempts to replicate opinions given in this production may result in serious physical and or mental disfigurement. Viewer discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthlings, and uh, welcome back to yet another episode of Cult of Personality. I'm your host, with the most, and uh, joined with me is uh, a returning guest, returning co-host, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing pretty great, you know. Just been living simple, living free, and every day is kind of a gift, if you know what I mean, so... Yeah, just taking it easy. It's kind of just a simple lifestyle, but it's honest work. Yeah, it's it ain't much exactly, but it's honest work. Yeah. Okay. Well, Matt um, tricked me into this one, labyrinth. Oh, well, you know what? It, this is definitely one of those movies that we would have to get to eventually. So better sooner than later, right? I guess I maybe would have preferred later because this movie kind of a stink fest here. Whoa, okay. You know, fair enough, fair enough. Kind, okay. kind of a movie only theater kids would uh, be interested in because they play, play Legend of Zelda a little too much. But, you know, it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure every everyone out there with the Triforce tattoo and or Triforce um, flat build hat, baseball cap likes, but... Um, but um, Was it but, chill, um but um it's no it's kind of stinky kind of stinky um you know it's directed by Jim Henson big name there screenplay by multiple people including Jim Henson and George Lucas okay another Ooh. some more big names there starring David Bowie uh, a big Ooh. name in in music but I'll leave it at that and uh <laughs> Produced by Henson Associates and Lucasfilm. Hello, this is going to be a great movie, and that's yeah, that's what I thought in the opening credits, and then that's not what I thought uh, five minutes in. Hmm. What's it about, well, Matthew? Would you like to tell me and the audience what's it, what it is about, or should I uh, take charge in that? I'll I'll give him a quick rundown. Sure. And you can and you can add a little bit of flavor if you'd like. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this the movie centers on this young girl named Sarah. She's a teenager. Played by she seems played by Jennifer Connelly. Uh, we saw her in Phenomena two weeks ago. R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, to Miss Connelly. Um, You'll be missed. She, she, she greatly to this day every day. You're always in our hearts. She plays this young girl named Sarah, and she's obsessed with fairy tales and theater and stuff like that, as you can tell by all the stuff that she has in her room. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't like her baby brother because he (laughs) takes too much attention away from her. So one day when her parent, when, you know, her parents, her evil parents, have Mrs. Leahy. They, they've outdone, they've outdone themselves. Okay, and they tell her you have to babysit your little brother. Unthinkable. She prays to the great goblin king in the sky and says, "Take my brother away." 
and to her surprise, it actually happens. And the rest of the film is a journey as she navigates an elaborate fantasy labyrinth to get to the Goblin King's castle to save her brother before it's too late and be- he becomes a goblin prince or something like that. And that's just the movie. So contrived. Um, <laughs> what a stupid plot. Wow. Um, yeah, so like Matt said, he gives her an arbitrary timeline for no reason and says that um, he'll turn Toby into a, a gremlin. Why? I don't know. I To this day, I don't know. But he's evil bad guy. So... I guess that's why. He takes her to this labyrinth. Um, I guess they didn't have a ladder around for her to just climb over the labyrinth, but she has to do the maze, and um, the maze is pretty boring looking. Um, I mean, God. Okay, so the movie is kind of bad, and basically I would just be fine to watch this movie on mute, if I hit the mute mm-hmm. button, because then I could just look at it. I mean, the Jim Henson team, they made some great puppets. And the puppet work, too, is is excellent. And I think even the dubbing, the voices for the puppets, um, they work well, too. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I would watch it on mute, because then I wouldn't have to hear the plot or the songs. And that would be really fun, um, because the plot is just so contrived. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, David Bowie's character, um, for some reason, well, not for some reason, he's able to teleport and just do whatever he wants, but it seems like he's very powerful. But then he just has to beg the 16-year-old to not bother him. And um, he he can't just go up to her, teleport to her, and... Um, kill her or just simply teleport her out of the labyrinth he's only able to like teleport himself um and threaten people this movie is like baby's first wizard of oz it's um because i was watching it and as soon as she was like i hate my my baby brother i I turned to caitlin and i was like this is gonna be like freaky friday moment (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, the goblins are like, oh, she only she has to say uh, she wishes we would take her brother away. Just like is I don't know if that was I guess that was a joke, but again, it's just contrived. It's so dumb. Even for the few seconds that that gimmick is used, it's so dumb. And then she says, <laughs> she she leaves the room, and then almost as if she hears the goblin, she's like, I wish the goblins would take you away. Like who would actually say that? Legend of Zelda fans, but other than that, so dumb. And then they take take the baby away, and yada yada yada. I mean, it it's so it's so contrived. It it none of it is like yeah, this is real. the 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 villain isn't threatening. There's seemingly no risk. Um, the the friends she meets along the way teach her nothing. And getting back to what I was saying, it she she when she finally gets into the the maze, she walks around for a bit. And I thought it was just going to be an infinite Mario sixty four loop, but it <laughs> actually is like when you go up the stairs and you don't have enough stars, one of those. <laughs> but it turns out she actually just couldn't she couldn't 
she doesn't have three-dimensional depth. Um, she can't tell when a wall is further away because there were actually holes in the wall the entire time. There's just mm -hmm. another wall parallel to hers, and that she she can't uh, see three dimensions. And then there's no shadows where she is. So, so sicko mode. And then <laughs> a, a worm tells her you gotta you can't take things for granted, which is like oh whoa, like she takes her baby brother for granted. <gasps> oh, the parallels. That's parallels, parallels, big brain stuff right there. It, That's filmmaking. It's so dumb. I don't know, Matt. I just rambled for a while. What what did you think? All right, let's let's get praises out of the way mm -hmm. quick because mm -hmm. look, this is this is a movie that is basically incomplete. Okay. Mm -hmm. The visual stuff, and I think that's the big part of the cult appeal in this, is that it's a very visually inventive movie. Yep. It can't be understated. Uh, you know, Henson, if you know his stuff from Muppets, this is a step up and beyond. And he does great puppet work. There's great costuming. It all feels real, authentic. You get genuine expression on these models. Uh, there's this little guy named Hoggle that follows her around. She He's like basically the closest thing to like her sidekick in this movie um and even even as weird and as obviously puppet like as he looks like there's something real about the character and the way that he emotes so it's mm -hmm. an impressive feat that alone um i'll say that it also just a character work aside there's lots of the labyrinth that is really cool it takes like influence from Escher, like you know those stair that's the guy who did those stair paradoxical staircase paintings and so pretentious all the vis all the visual paradox stuff like that is cool i even think like and as illogical as it is within the context of the film although i guess like it's supposed to be high fantasy and that's and it's supposed to be sort of fairy tale-esque uh like when for example she figures out that there's you know depth to the wall that she's looking at <laughs> even that illusion even that illusion is cool like i they did it. They shot it in a very interesting way, even though it doesn't make sense from a plot mm -hmm. standpoint. I so did, all that yeah. stuff is, all that stuff is excellent. Um, there's there's so many cool portions. One of my favorite parts: she falls down a hole, and it's just a well of hands. That was cool. And they just use, yep. they just use hands to make faces and to talk, and it's just a crazy imaginative film. And it's really a damn shame that through visual. And through visuals and effects and sets alone that Henson creates this kind of living, breathing world. Um, but then he got stuck with this shit-ass script uh, that's got nothing going for it. Because basically, that's the only good thing in the movie, I'll be totally honest. There, the story in this is, it's just non-existent. It's just, you know, go to the castle. And the problem with that is that, to a degree, the movie feels like a theme park ride because of that. Yep. Where you're going to point A to point B in a very predictable fashion and you're just looking at sights to see and a couple characters join along the way but they're not consequential or they don't have a development or anything uh they're just window dressing as well and then we get to the end of the movie and she gets her brother back okay the script in this sucks the dialogue is kind of embarrassing and at first i was coping because i was saying to myself well uh the reason the dialogue is so stilted and it's kind of awkward is that at first I was thinking, well, Jennifer Connelly's character is obsessed with fairy tales and stuff like that. So maybe she's speaking like in a kind of archaic way because she reads too much. Yeah. 
Um, but then all the characters kind of talk like that, and maybe that's the point, but it's not that enjoyable to listen to at the end of the day, and none, none of the dialogue has any depth or anything. Um, <laughs> that is uh, pretty egregious, I'll say, because um, a lot of the movie's characters just talking to each other, and they don't really talk to each other about much interesting, because there isn't much of a substance story-wise here. Um, the performances in this, um, besides the puppets, which I think are all good. Yeah. And like I said, they're just straight out of Muppets. They're very exaggerated type of characters and all the voice work is good. You basically have two humans here. Like you see, um, Sarah's parents in the beginning briefly, but you just have Bowie and Connolly. Um, Bowie, um, don't quit your day job, man. I don't oh, know what to say to him. What a vanity. You can't. It's it's actually disappointing because he's such a flamboyant character in his you know musical career and he's got all these different personas. Yep. And then he comes to the screen and he just he's phoning it in. I don't know if he just can't act. Um, he's not in the movie like that much even. And to be fair, he doesn't have much material because he basically is sitting around the castle. Then sometimes he'll pop in on Sarah and say, "Hey, you should really stop." And she says no. And then he says, "Kate," and then goes back to the castle. And then they have an ending scene. And it's whatever. Um, whoever designed the bottom half of Bowie's costume should be dragged into the street and shot. Like Mussolini. Um, I, you will get more intimate with Bowie in this than you will with most of your lovers in your life. Than Bowie in The you, Hunger. They, they don't leave a lot to the imagination. I'll say that. I don't know what they were thinking. It is what it is. Uh, he's got some. He's got a sweet wig on, though. I kind of like his makeup. It's whatever. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, I'm getting, I'm getting frustrated. Okay. <laughs> what did mid '80s directors see in this young girl? Because I know she did good stuff later. I know she won an actor uh, in in Oscar later. I think for a beautiful mind or something. She cannot act in this stage in her life, and I don't know why they kept casting her. She's so wooden. <laughs> She she has child actor syndrome where she goes wide-eyed all the time. She has kind of this whiny voice, and there's no nuance in any of the dialogue delivered. Yeah. Please, please, God, what were they thinking? Uh, and, you can't, and you follow her around for the whole movie, and she really has no motivation or really any depth beyond, I just want to save my brother. She's just another kid actor. Uh, it is what it is so in that regard for performances basically the only two humans in this movie they don't do a good job no um and then one last quick brief thing here um bowie does songs for this mm-hmm. and there's also orchestral score okay the score is fine um i thought it was decent it it suited the tone of the scenes when i had to i didn't pay too much attention the bowie songs uh, however, um, they're hard to ignore because they're bad. Uh, yeah, this is a guy that did it. Ziggy Stardust, and then he's writing these <laughs> uh, these tracks here. I know Ziggy Stardust, you know, like 10 years prior. He's probably been through, you know, uh, a boatload of drugs, and he's probably maybe exhausted himself creatively at this point. But the songs are so bad. There's one song, and I guess this is the famous one. They play it at the end of the film again. It's just like this... What's it even called? It's like Dance Magic Dance or something. Um, it's just this little number he has when he's in 
in the first act of the film when he's in the castle and he's throwing her little brother Toby around. Yeah. Um, it's some shit straight out of Fraggle Rock. Uh, and Bowie just didn't even bother to show up for this one because he doesn't even sing well. All the Bowie stuff in this is bad. Like in terms of his original songs, I wouldn't listen to any of this ever again. No. Um, so his presence really in this film is just completely unwanted. Uh, they could have gotten anybody else, and I think I would have liked it a bit more. It, it it almost seems like a vanity role because anybody could play this, and then they just casted David Bowie. I'm I'm not getting it. Other maybe they just thought, oh, he's so flamboyant, he would work so well. I also just I this aesthetic of the Goblin Prince being some incompetent um, hu- white human um, wizard. I'm not fully grasping. I think that's just a really dumb, dumb choice. Maybe they could have changed his name to like Evil McGee, <laughs> Evil Evil Dark Ruler, or whatever. And then he yeah. could just have a goblin army. But being the king of the goblins, kind of weird. I weird. And they do this effect throughout the movie, and I guess they thought it was just really groovy and cool it's david bowie just plays with this crystal ball throughout the mm-hmm. movie and it's so clearly not his hands playing with it <laughs> and i know that because a he's not doing that good of a performance so i'm just saying hey that's david bowie and i know david bowie the pop star isn't a master juggler um so as soon as you know you put two and two together then you look at the hands and you go wait those aren't his hands and uh they're clearly not that was a like they and they do it every time he's in a scene i swear to god he does they do that effect it's it it wasn't that cool and again every time he does that effect it's just him saying hey i'll give you everything you want if you let me turn your brother into a goblin it what like you're just creating these parameters for uh our hero to get from point a to point b which make no sense in the wizard of oz it made sense when she came out of um, oz and then she realized hey i here's all my life lessons it made sense <coughs> here just i hate my brother now this guy's making me get my brother and now i really like my brother because luna or pluto or whatever that dog character's <laughs> name became my friend what? He's a cute dog, though. And he can control rocks, but he won't make a rock bridge for us to just get out of the maze. I, this, like, everything other than visual effects in this movie just sucks. Quick shout out to Ludo. He's a pretty chill guy. Lud- uh, Ludo. Ludo. He's, yeah. he, he's a bro. He's got cool telepathy powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was my favorite. I think he was my favorite of all the non-human characters in this. Just because he's a swell guy, kind of reminds me of. Um, he kind of looks like, a, like a mutated version of Rolf, you know the Muppet Rolf, you know little guy. Uh, I don't think so. No. If you're listening at home, go look up Rolf and then go look up Ludo from Labyrinth and then oh. put them side to side <laughs> yes. on Google Images. Yeah, I think that's his dad or something. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? They take this... The, it's just the... You know, a big problem is that the plot line is just kind of boring, which is just MacGuffin plot line. And, you know, some might find mm-hmm. it distasteful to make a baby a MacGuffin. 
but uh, there's there's no boundary that Henson and Co are really aren't willing to cross here. Uh, it's just it's just such an empty movie in that way. I I get the sense that he had the concept, and I'm assuming that you know to a degree, Dark Crystal is kind of like this, where it's more of an exposition of effect with like a rough storyline. Dark Crystal's way better. It, it's way better. Yeah. Like that one actually is like tolerable in comparison to this. It's still kind of contrived as well. Like what was, uh, I don't remember it completely, but it, it was another MacGuffin. They needed needed something rather, and then they were like, "Oh, who's gonna be our next leader? I'm gonna be the leader." But we, I don't know. It it but it was it was better, and visually even that movie is way better than than this one is as well. Hmm. I haven't seen it, but and maybe it's called. So maybe one day we'll take a look at it. But I, as far as I know, I think those are these are the only two movies that Henson ever directed. Cause he only he died like uh he died four years after Labyrinth came out, which is a shame, mm-hmm. pneumonia or something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, obviously he's he was a genius at what he did. But I mean, a genius director. I mean, we can't do it all. Right. It is what it is. Every man has their limits. Jim Every Henson thought limits. he had none. We'll say that. Bowie, Henson can't direct. Bowie can't act. Sometimes even he can't even sing or compose music too. So even when you're, you know, even when you're a genius, sometimes you're not. So it, it's really humbling. I think, the, I think what you should get out of Labyrinth is just be thankful for what you have. Be humbled a little, you know. Just understand that even even the grades fucking up sometimes. I, I mean, that, the Bowie numbers when he's performing them, the dubbing is so bad. Mm-hmm. The music is so overproduced. I I I hear that it's a studio recording, guys. That's not Bowie singing, and it's not matched mm-hmm. up that well. Yeah, uh, it's like, <laughs> yeah, and it's really jarring. Like just. <sighs> You know what? And the other thing is that you're right. The dubbing's not great. I also don't like the style of music he did, which is basically just kind of like '80s pop music almost. Yep, doesn't fit. I almost, I almost wanted something else. I mean, like you have this fantasy world. I know it's in the '80s, so you know you're trying to sell records or whatever. But I think you know music that was a little bit more daring or a little bit more, you know, a medieval flair. Yeah, a little medieval flair or something, you know? Like, shit, I don't know. I, did, I don't need to hear... Like, I, I don't want to listen to these songs ever again, okay? That's a problem. When, it's not a musical by any means, but... I mean, that's kind of the draw of the movie is that you have David Bowie in it. He's on the poster. Mm-hmm. He's probably got first billing. Yep. And uh, it's just it just ain't that good, okay? It just ain't that good. It's disappointing. And I'm upset a little bit. <laughs> Because I, I picked this one after talking shit about Lucas's Wheel of Fortune picks. <laughs> and now I look bad. Okay? Yeah. This is not, not I got egg on look. my face now. Shit. I, uh, I mean, David Bowie threatens Hoggle because a big plot point is that Hoggle um, is a traitor and makes her eat a peach for hours. But... <laughs> um, Bowie is like, if you betray me, I'll make you the king of the bad stench land. And then he betrays him, 
and then he sends him to the bad stench land. However, he just escapes. So the villain really has seemingly uh, zero power, mm -hmm. maybe zero point one power. Um, but not not a whole lot. Like, I who's getting threatened by this guy? Who's watching this and thinking, man, I hope she makes it. The threat is so real. Maybe babies. <laughs> maybe Toby. Toby the baby was maybe worried. That's about it. Yeah. Baby Toby was definitely worried. You could tell in the scenes where he's crying, probably because there's uh, puppet monstrosities to his left, to his right, and all around him. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and that brings us, you know, I guess we could talk about the ending. Because basically, sure. okay, she goes, she goes through the whole thing, and she has, you know, she solves some riddles. She does some, she makes some friends along the way, and I guess that's the point of the whole journey. Anyway. She gets to the staircase part where Jareth is there. Jareth is the Goblet King and Toby's there. And she's like trying to climb the stairs, get Toby. He's like falling, twirling, bopping around because it's a weird relativity thing. And so, then... so pretentious to pick that Escher piece. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, it works because there's other visual paradoxes in the film, but, like, other than that, like, there's no, like, thematic relevance or anything like that. Anyway, she's, like, um, then the whole thing breaks down, and then there's, like, pieces floating in space, and then she's talking to Jareth, and then she, she recites something from the book, um, and then... Okay, this is this is what really pissed me off is that he, you're waiting for like something to happen. She remembers this last line. He's gone. And she says this is what she says, okay, to defeat the villain. She's like, "You don't have any power over me." And then the movie's over. And I went, "Okay." And then she puts Toby to bed. She gives him her teddy bear that he took earlier in the movie and then she has a little party in her bedroom with all her buddies. Um, the ending was so bad. Okay, like they—that's—that's that's how you know that they didn't even care for any sort of storyline. They didn't care at all. She just says, "I don't believe in you." He's gone. Okay. She thought she was uh, in front of Nightmare on Elm Street. Something like that. I don't know. I, I you know what? I take I take Freddy over um, <laughs> David Big Dick Bowie any day. I'll say that. I mean that shit is horrifying, truly. <laughs> that's basically the end of the movie, and then there's that's it. Like they had there's like there's like a little battle thing. They get to the castle grounds and then there's like all these guards and they have like a little battle sequence. That one's okay. Once again, like any of the puppetry and stuff like that, it's actually pretty engaging to watch. Just from a visual standpoint, if not from a character investment or emotional standpoint. But yeah, and that's uh that's basically it for the film. It's pretty uh, poggers. It's pretty poggers. I'd say it's a pretty sicko mode movie if I had to judge it. Um I it just needed like it just needs this just need they need to redo the script. They need to put a story in there. Yeah, if they could put a story with characters in this movie, that would be that would be appreciated. It is one of the required elements of making a film. Unfortunately, I know a lot of filmmakers like to try to skip over one thing, <laughs> or, you know, you know, just gloss over it quickly. But you have to have a story there. 
uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. And you know what? This is this is something I was thinking about. Is that I'm finding that a lot of these cult films, okay, I think what's happening is that rather than people reevaluating them and saying this is a great film, <laughs> they're reevaluating these movies and saying this part of the movie is really cool. <laughs> And then yes. they ignore the other stuff. That's what it is. Because then they just re- they reference that part with their buddies and watch it on YouTube. Exactly. And you watch it on YouTube and then you dress up and you go to Comic-Con and, hey, I'm part of a thing now. And look, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? And there's nothing wrong with appreciating g- good or exceptional elements in bad movies. But, like, if you want me to watch this and then say just because the effects are really good that this the critics were wrong in the 80s and that this is actually a you know sublime piece of filmmaking i'm not doing it for you i'm not going to validate you we're still reviewing movies here and a movie is more than one part of it okay amen that's it that's all i gotta say it is what it is okay guys it is what it is you can I'm sure somebody out there is listening saying, you guys are stupid. How could he not like Labyrinth? Um, to that, I say, uh, well, I am pretty stupid, uh, <laughs> but I still don't like Labyrinth. We forgot two characters. I'll mention them quickly. Uh, three characters. One, there's a worm. Uh, shout out to the worm. He offered her tea many times, and I was hoping to see that scene. Uh, we never saw it. That pissed me off. Um, next, we have... We have um, this guy that joins, this little guy who's basically straight off the set of Monty Python on the Holy Grail. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, you I, you can only cross this bridge with, a, with my permission. And he like speaks in old English and has a very, like, he has a voice similar to the teachers in Pink Floyd's The Wall. And, um, one, this is one... Rubbish laddie! Absolute, absolute rubbish, rubbish laddie! laddie. <laughs> um... <laughs> One visual thing that they did in this movie, which kind of sucked, obviously they had to do it, but it didn't turn out well, is that this little dude, what was his name? Like Lancelot or something? <clears throat> I'm going to check right now. Uh, let's see. It was... Sir Didymus. Sir Didymus. That's it. Um, He is riding a dog. Like, we would ride a horse. Um, and sometimes the dog is a puppet and sometimes it's a live action dog for mm-hmm. landscape action scenes. When they zoom on in, it's a Muppet. This effect didn't look very good because their fake dog was clearly a fake dog. And the real dog was clearly a real dog. So every time they did that switch, I was like, hmm, okay, that hurt my eyes. Um... I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was going to, I was just going to agree. It's just weird that like, I mean, they, they have the dog and the scenes where they have to have the dog do stuff, it does stuff well enough. So to, to break the immersion just by switching to this puppet, just for like a little scene where he's like shaking, it's like, you don't need that. Like, you're right. It doesn't add anything to have him be a puppet. They should just, I honestly prefer in that kind of situation, just let the dog do dog stuff, even if he can't get a perfect reaction or get him to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I get, those are my two characters. Um, Sir Didymus and his steed. Uh, they, I, he was kind of funny. Um, and then one, one, cause there is some humor throughout the movie. 
there's one scene that I thought was really funny. Um, Hoggle and well, gosh, Sarah, they fall down some some dungeon, and there's little uh, Easter Island statues, and they're just like, "Ah, oh, beware! Don't go forward!" And then Hoggle's like, "Ah, oh, shut up!" <laughs> Like he's he's not a tourist, okay? Like he knows this place to deal, and he's like, just save it, be quiet. And he's like, dude, I've been waiting down here like a century. Just let me have this. Hoggle's like, okay, whatever. And he's like, don't go forward. Whatever. He's just you know that part was funny, and was, yeah. Sir Didymus had some some good some good lines here and there, but his his dog bothered me. Yeah, just, you know, go hard or go home. That's like the one lapse, really, in this movie in terms of, I don't know, visual or effects fidelity is just, yeah, they they go with the puppet dog. And it doesn't even look good as a puppet dog. No. So I don't know what they were doing. Cute dog, though. I'll say that. R.I.P. to that dog. R.I.P., I mean, shit, yeah. I sitting up there in the big, the big dog house in the sky. It's an It's... <laughs> Is there dog? All dogs go to hell. All dogs if go you to were, hell. All all labyrinth dogs go to hell. That's for sure. They live a gluttonous lifestyle. They don't do shit. They um, don't contribute to society. No. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. If there is a hell, all dogs are there, <laughs> and that's and that's on the record. That's the that is the official cop stance. We I'm hate dogs. Dog. If I saw a we dog, in, dogs. A, in, a, in, a, in a car on a hot day. I, I would say, you know what? Crank the heat in that sucker. <laughs> Let me tell you, if anyone comes in, if if any authorities come into my home and they go into my basement, I mean, Pete is going to have a new sacrificial lamb on their hands. Let me tell you, I'll be public enemy number one. That's And that's all I'll say. I listen to the Beatles for a reason, and it's because they hate dogs. Just leave your dog. It's okay to put your dog in a hot car, as Paul McCartney famously wrote. Uh, one of his great songs, too. Oh, please, please me. <laughs> and what a shocking statement <laughs> on the debut album. To say, it's okay to leave your dog in a hot car. And you know what? They sold millions of records, and they're arguably the greatest music act of all time. So what does that tell you? Nope. Yeah, people agree. So to all those people who post doggos and puppers and... Chichis and peepees on your social media. I hope your dog dies. Fuck dogs. Cats End of story. What dogs are one bag animal? They're going to hell. One, plain and simple. <laughs> I give canines and canine and and you know canine related animals. I give a one bag of popcorn. I don't like that. Uh, I just don't trust Hitler probably had a dog, and you know what? Putin has a hell of a lot of dogs, so what does that tell you? <laughs> You're making me think of when Putin picked up... You see how Putin picks up dogs? No, that was the dude who gave him the dog. Oh, you're right, you're right. Uh, and then Putin... Actually, Putin... You see, Putin knows how to handle a dog. That's why he has a lot of dogs. And he's an evil, evil man. Yeah. So there you go. It just goes to show. I think that was like the, the prime minister or president... Prime Minister of China, something like that. He was based because he knew how to how he knew how we should treat dogs. 
I don't think that even hurts the dog, though. It's just bad optics. No, it doesn't hurt the dog. That's how the mom carries baby pups around. It just look. It just looks like you know. <laughs> it just looks so bad. Because if, if you, you did that to a human, not a good look. Yeah. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, look up. Uh, I don't even know what to look up. Look up Putin gets a dog. Uh, ca- carrying a puppy, and you'll probably find that on YouTube. Yeah. And that's that's a classic video. Uh, that's how I pick up my dog whenever I take it to the vet. Garbage. I just walk in with. <laughs> I just walk in with Kirby with the scruff of his neck in my right hand and, you know, my left hand in my pocket or something. I mean, I get some looks, but it's, it's, it's nature's way of doing it. Also, I hate dogs. You want to go to bags for dogs? We did. One bag for dogs. You want to go to I'll give bags it like... for all dogs to go to hell? Um... Yes, five out of five bags for all dogs go to hell. The most, the most accurate. Um, it just that's true journalism and filmmaking, and it's just nothing but the truth. Do you want to go to bags for dogs versus cats in outer space? Um, that one is a three out of five. Outcome is a little bit shaky. I don't really agree with the politics in the film. Um, and also, I mean, that sex scene not very tasteful. Can't argue with you there. Do you want to go to Bags for Labyrinth? Sure, let's do it. Because I'm done with that movie, okay? Okay, let's hear Bags. I'm at a loss here. I'm trying to be logical. A movie is two parts. One half visual, one half auditory. The visual part is great. However, the audio half of it, you know, when they're talking and saying the story and their feelings, I don't even know if that happens, and and their motivations, that part's sucking. Sucks ass? It sucks ass. It sucks a wet fart out of someone's grandpa's asshole and holds it in like a (laughs) bong rip. Jesus So I I don't really know what to do here. Um, I'm gonna try and be, you know, based. I'm gonna say five out of ten. I might regret yeah, that, but that's what I'm feeling here. That's pretty based. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking based on that one. Thanks. You know, my score is basically the same. I unfortunately can't give a perfect half score, so I'm <laughs> yeah, just kind of a uh, you know an issue there. You know, and well, it's not an issue because it makes you commit to his position. You know, I don't. I, I can't committed. Sit on the fence. Well, you know, let let we'll let the viewers decide, and I think we already know they made the decision already, and I think we already know what they're gonna say. <laughs> but the point of the the point is two out of five bags for this. Um, yeah, there's a remake. Who cares? Happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that? I said, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's a remake happening. Um, I, you know what? I don't have confidence in it because I, I would, it'd be, they'd be hard-pressed to make this, the script any worse than the original is. But I don't trust that the visual aspect of the film and the effects in it will be as, mm, 
enchanting as the ones in this because there will almost certainly be a over lines on CGI, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I don't think it's going to have any of the craft. Uh, hopefully, like, I don't know, the Henson estate will get in there and make sure they do shit right. Uh, it's also directed by the guy who did Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's looking we'll great. Um, it's They're going to be hard-pressed to get a Bowie cameo in it, too. That's not going <laughs> to... It's not going to draw a lot of people into oh, theaters. God. Yeah, I mean... God. And I mean, for the cast and crew, I mean, the smell. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, if they did it, could be experimental. I would check it out, but... I only see movies with things I know in it. If Bowie's not there, well, I don't know that. So let me ask you something. Yeah. Which rock star do you pick now to replace Bowie as Goblin King? Any rock star? Any music? Yeah, I'll say any music. Tom guy. Tom York like any... kind of looks the part, so he could probably <laughs> pull it off. Do you think he can act? I don't. Does well, he look like the kind? <laughs> he acts he, cool. He he acts cool. Yeah. Um, Tom York, you know. Tom, no, Th- Tom York. No, Tom York is too ugly. He's too ugly to be in a movie like this. It's Come called on. a Goblin King, bro. Yeah, but, I mean, you gotta have... I mean, come on. Look, you know what? Say what you will about Bowie. I know you don't think he's a, an attractive man. <laughs> Maybe this isn't him at his most attractive. He's got when some is? sex appeal. When is? What? When is him at his most? Because I'm waiting to see it. I haven't seen it yet. T- ten years Ten years before this. Lord. Ten years before this. Uh, at this point, I think he's like in his late 30s. Uh, ten years before that, he's looking good. He's looking fine, Okay. And, you know, every 14-year-old is groveling at his feet. Young and he's picking them all up. He's got no... Hey, he's got no shame. No, man, he's it. still really ugly. He just had smoother <laughs> Look, skin. Okay, pick an unconventionally attractive musician to be the Goblin King. Go. God, he was not so goddamn to... ugly. He looked... Holy <laughs> Don't. shit. Man, Don't. Man, it's not even okay. funny. Viewers at home... Look up pictures of David Bowie in the, in the 1970s and comment on the Instagram whether or not you think he's attractive, okay? And just just pass or fail. Don't give us numbers. Just pass or fail. Is he an attractive man? I, I'm looking at this one picture of him and he has crusty-ass lips. Yeah, that's unconventional. He, has, he does have strange kind of lips. <sighs> yeah, Tom York uh, can be the Goblin King. <laughs> I, I, you know what, fine. Let's take Tom York. Um, you know who they should really get? Who? Uh, the Rock? Uh, I mean, if he's available, I mean, <laughs> fuck yeah. I mean, shit. I mean, if you really want the Goblin King to be an imposing figure, you know, be menacing, I mean, you get The Rock. Uh, I just realized that we didn't even mention it, and then... I mean, it's not a huge scene in the movie, but there's this one random scene where they do like a ballroom dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this nothing. is David. <laughs> this is David Bowie at his most um, overtly predatory here, mm-hmm. when he has a little ballroom dance. He spies her across the hall. They're looking into each other's eyes. They're a little uncomfortable because he read a thing or two about Mr. Bowie and. Uh, 
And uh, that was a cool scene, I guess. Not really. Not really. Uh, next week, we're doing another not cool movie, <laughs> um, Spaceballs. That's gonna... So there you go, folks. Uh, that's that sets the tone. We already know. We already know how it's gonna turn out. Uh, full disclosure: I never seen Spaceballs, so I don't know how much I'm gonna like it. I I imagine it's from the clips I'd seen. It's pretty, you know. It's pretty unabashedly straightforward parody. Or let's just make the direct joke. Direct jokes of Star Wars and does it parody anything else? Yeah, um, it it is. It's like hmm, a parody of Star Wars, but it really was kind of just trying to lampoon um, franchises. Okay. There's other stuff. There's like an alien reference. Um, there's um, like a two thousand and one reference. There's some general sci-fi references throughout it, but primarily, yes, Star Wars, but more so franchises. Any Trek stuff? Yeah, there's a beaming up um, joke. Nice. It's my favorite kind. And you'll you'll see. You'll see if it's funny or not. We'll have to. I know that you, we should add Galaxy Quest to our list. I think that would qualify as a cult film, and that one I know is well received. Yeah, that one looks good. Star Trek parody, yeah. So that one could be cool. Maybe after we, how many Star Trek movies do we have left? Two. Two, of the original series. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I'll say that. We'll, we'll start. You get two more movies, and then I'm cutting you off. And then we'll do fan Star Trek fan films. We'll be doing Star Trek fan films on a weekly basis. Actually, King Kingly. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Shit, it's it's Roddenberry's world. We're just living in it, so why not? Okay, Star right Trek. Right on, films. brother. Right on. <laughs> we'll review Star Trek Acid Party too. Oh god, the video sucks. Yeah, we'll review it. Nice, 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 nice. You see any good movies lately? Yeah, saw Boogie Nights. Really good. Good movie. I, uh, I think that's a great movie. Uh, that's great. That's like, for me, how you do in an ensemble period piece kind of movie. Well, uh, I think, that I think and Dazed and Confused. That was good, too. But this that one is like, well, I guess they're like kind of similar. You're right, actually. Actually, Dazed and Confused is one day, and this is like several years. But... Mm-hmm. I like. I think it, Boogie Nights. All the characters are good. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a weak character in it. I think the depiction of you know excess and and depression and stuff like that. I think it's expertly done, and it's not melodramatic. I think it's done very tastefully, and I like that Paul Thomas Anderson has this really frank look, and it's almost objective. And you might be inclined to say that there's no style to the movie because of it, but I think it's a very very carefully directed and film. And I think that it, there's many memorable portions that'll stick with you after you're done. It's worth it. It's on Netflix, guys. Check it out. I, I gave some thought to what you said. What you said it was objective, and I totally agree now. If this movie was in anyone else's hands, it would have been just a nightmare. It, there would have been a scene of someone breaking down and crying. Like that scene where Buck goes to the bank. Spoilers here. If you don't hear him, move on. Buck goes to a bank and he's like, he's um, he's an ex porn star. 
goes to the bank and he's trying to get a loan to open up uh, an audio store, audio supply store. And they're like, uh, sorry, we can't. And he's like, what? I, I failed out everything correctly. And he's like, we just can't be um, associated with uh, a porn star. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not a porn star. I'm a, I'm a actor. I'm a serious actor. And then he's like, uh, sorry, nothing we can do. And in any other movie, he would have busted out crying. And he would have said, man, I'm, I'm just a person too. And, and everyone would have clapped. The, the movie honestly has no message one way or another if the porn industry is good or bad it simply is in this movie yes. and I, I really appreciate that it's just like this is probably what someone's life would be like i mean there's obviously there's maybe something underneath of like follow your dreams almost because that's it and like the tone that the movie ends on Mm-hmm. And for Dirk Diggler, for Eddie, um, being a porn star is his dream, and he loves it because he can get attention and love. And but for other characters, it's being a magician, or you know, finishing high school, this, that, the other thing. That maybe there's like a follow your dreams thing at the end, but really, this movie has no say of the morals. Like, yeah, that a guy in uh, in the porn industry would probably be a pedophile. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that 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 was probably too accurate. If you catch my meaning. Yeah, a little, <laughs> a little close <laughs> to the chest, and um, <laughs> eh, and then yeah, just shows him getting the Christ being out of him at the end of the movie. Yeah. Maybe there's yeah. something to say there. Man, I'll give well, you that. know, it's a it's a great film. Check it out. That's a that's a cop. Uh, off the, well, we won't review it it's too mainstream and it made too much money but it's a great movie I, I like seeing movies like Saturday, Saturday Night Fever or Boogie Nights uh, because I really like Days and Confused and I like to imagine all of these people living in the same timeline <laughs> like I'm like oh I wonder what Wooderson is doing during the events of, of Boogie Nights I wonder if he's watching um, a Dirk Diggler movie they should make they should make a movie they should make a sequel called Saturday Night Boogie Fever, <laughs> and what happens is that it's boogie nights, but halfway through the movie, Tony shows up, <laughs> and he's going, "Hey, you know, can I get a pizza pizza here? Can I dance a little disco?" And then it's just a big dance party, everyone has a good time, um, you know, it would just. I don't know. I think that'd be really special. I I would watch it. I would review it for the show. Uh, so would I. So all we have to do is get this made. Exactly. If you're listening, get on it. Um, another good movie I watch. I rewatch Fargo because I'm gonna start the uh, television series. Fargo isn't as good as I remember, but it was still pretty dang good. I think like No Country for Old Men is a way more interesting crime thriller than Fargo is, but. Fargo was really good. Um, is else? Big Lebowski still your favorite Coen Brothers movie? No. Unfortunately not. It is now second place. Do, 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 looking out my, my back, back door. door. I'm just gonna... When are we going to review that, though? 
uh, when we can hang out in person in a studio with professional microphones and not our microphones that are either installed on our computer or ones that um, were purchased at uh, London Drugs. Jeez, talk about a pipe dream. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, get real, man. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm a dreamer. I'm a driver and I'm a dreamer. <laughs> and a toker and a joker and a midnight smoker. Something like that. Uh, I saw the trailer for Suicide Squad. That looks pretty good. That shark guy looks funny. And I like that Just they had people. like like crazy violence in the trailer. Hopefully that's cool. He ripped a dude in half in the trailer. So I'm wondering what he's going to do in the movie. And it looks like they aren't taking it too seriously. They have like some starfish monster. I don't know if that's a comic book thing. And it, it looks like all the characters are way more interesting. Save Harley Quinn than the original. And it's funny that Harley Quinn is the only returning character. Yeah, because, I mean, well, I think they bring back Boomerang, too. Oh, uh, right, and Boomerang, yes, 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 he was in the trailer as well. The two liked characters out of the whole last movie. I mean, like, seriously, don't bring Will Smith back. I don't like Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Don't don't bring back a Fire Guy. I mean, actually, he was fine in the movie, but he died, so, you know, it is what it is. Don't bring back Crocodile Man. He that wasn't was so really that bad. good. They're basically, I think they're doing King Shark just to have Crocodile Man done better. Yeah. Uh, and then who else is in that piss-ass movie? Oh, The man who can climb the everything. Man. Yep. Winnipeg's own Adam Beach. They did him so dirty. <laughs> okay. So dirty. And then, oh, Cara Delevingne. Yeah, she can't act. So don't Was she the witch? Anything. Yep. The PS2 graphic witch? Yeah, just throwing around magic and belly dancing awkwardly, and what a bad, bad movie. Hopefully, um, the Joker doesn't make a comeback either. I really hope not. I hope the Snyder Cut was the last we saw of him. Um, he says we live in a society in that one, so that's you know basically Snyder admitting that this whole thing is a joke, <laughs> uh, and I completely agree. It's, just, uh, let's all forget about that. Don't even bring Joaquin in there. I, I don't think he would agree to that. I think there's a Joker, Joker sequel in the works, but I imagine they're paying him huge bucks for that. Yeah, because what did Joker end up making now in the end? Over one billion dollars! Um, it made... Oh, yeah, uh, 1.074 billion. I wonder how many of those ticket sales were from kids who are underage get, getting tickets somehow. Zero. And a budget of 55 to 70 million? Yeah, that's some money. Holy shit. That's big bucks. That's how you do it. By the way, Jesus this week... Christ. This week, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong will be coming out on HBO Max and will be streaming it legally, of course. I'm not watching And... <laughs> Well, I'm. I'll watch it. I was gonna say that next week we can talk about it for a minute. And okay, fine. Interesting. Fine, I'll watch it and I'll rewatch the original as well. Okay, and then we'll see. I mean, it's a damn shame that this is. I mean, if there's any kind of big budget movie you want to see in a theater, this is it, right? Oh well, we live in a society. It's they're too cinematic. The 
the the American Godzilla movies are way too cinematic. Like, just chill out. The monsters are cool enough. You mean we like? Don't... Hmm. So when you say too cinematic, you mean like? It's just like the lighting is is it's so dramatic. They're like fighting oh, at dark in the night. Uh, they're fighting at the night in the dark, and there's rain and lightning, and the city gives a moody moody lighting, and it's there's some intense orchestral track and there's a little girl that might die or something. Like, <laughs> Always. Chill out, guys. It's a big monkey fighting a big lizard. Okay. In the original one, I'm pretty sure Godzilla like uses high jump kick on Godzilla or something. It's <laughs> it's not this intense. And then there's some crazy unrealistically large army or secret Godzilla force it's all so dumb it's, and I'm, I'm just gonna watch the original ones I'm gonna watch like Godzilla vs. Biollante and Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla and I'm just gonna chill alright you guys can take your over the top million foot tall King Kong and shove it Shove it. So funny when the first Godzilla came out as in the 2014 one and people in Japan were making fun of Godzilla <laughs> because he was fat. And they were making <laughs> Americans are fat jokes because the Godzilla was so fat. Yeah, I'm thinking based. That's, that's hella based right there. Oh, God. And even like the first American Godzilla, I mean, what can you say? King, uh, King of Monsters? Yeah, wow, you guys really fixed a movie. Thanks, guys. Give it a little action, give it a little flair. You know, get rid of all the boring crap we don't want. I mean, what is there a better cut of the movie? I can't think of one. <sighs> Me neither. But yeah, I guess I'll watch a new King Kong. I'll stream there you have it, folks. We'll stream it legally. King Kong uh, is the only movie I've... I fell asleep watching in theaters. Only one. King Kong? Yeah. Skull Island or whatever it's called. No, no. I fell asleep. I like I that think, movie. three times. I like that movie, actually. That movie was one of my biggest surprises because I expected it to be crap. And I mean, it's not a cinematic masterpiece by any means, but I thought the movie had way more style than I was expecting. And because of that, and because I think for the most part, the style really gives it, I don't know, a kind of energy. It's like the movie knows it's a blockbuster and it works within the parameters that are given and it just does everything it can to engage you. That's a damn shame. I'll I mean, rewatch it. Maybe I, I was wrong. I was going to say, I, I mean, I saw the movie four years ago. I think I saw it like a couple years ago again. I'd probably rewatch it just because uh, I also have to watch that second Godzilla movie now. Damn it! What Godzilla right. movie? Well, I didn't see King of Monsters like the new one. Oh, you didn't miss? Ah, oh, gosh, that one was. Maybe I'll rewatch that one too. But now that I've watched some of the older ones, it's just like it's uh, it's supposed to be just so cheesy, and then when they take this cheesy campy ooey gooey goodness and make it epic fbi battle fight it i don't know 
I hate how American movies and blockbusters, they just fetishize the military like that. Love it. And, love and Marvel, it. Marvel is guilty of that, like all Transformers. And they'll, they'll do Wars. the same. They'll simultaneously like, like give half-ass critiques of it where they'll show, guys, look, the government guys are evil and they only <laughs> care about weaponry and, and supremacy over actual security in people's lives. But then that's what the whole movie's about. So, you know, whatever message you want to put in there, you're still sending kids to enlist because they saw a soldier shoot Megatron in the balls. <laughs> and, I mean, maybe one day I could do that too. So there you go. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. It's just such a boring, it's just so boring aesthetically usually just to have military guys come in. I don't know. It's just just enough with that. And then your kid says in school, uh, Roger Delta Nine or Nine are requesting permission to alleviate bowels. Over. <laughs> uh, and then the teacher will go request denied. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see any good movies? Mm, like in, mm, I don't think so. What have I been watching lately? No, I haven't seen any good movies lately. Mm. That's unfortunate, eh? It's a bit when, of a shame. When, <laughs> when, instead of asking people, hey, how are you? I just open with, you see any good movies lately? And then that answer will let me know how they're doing. Because so if they have, then, then, you know, they're doing pretty well. And if they haven't, then, you know, that's, that's the biggest cry for help. I mean, I can imagine there is. I'm thinking of calling it here. What do you think? Yeah, I think the show's uh I think the show's reached max entertainment value for this week, so we should log off and cut our losses here. Yeah. If anyone's still listening, I mean, hey, thanks. Th- thanks for your service. <laughs> and uh hey, just let us know. <laughs> what are you doing this Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> Bye YouTube. See you later. anything you heard today make sure to stay tuned for weekly episodes available for streaming on spotify apple Podcasts, and umfm.com and don't forget to follow our instagram page at cop podcast